Thank you to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service, and it's 100% online, so you can access it from anywhere in the world. With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over 30,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. To get started, you just answer a few questions about your needs and preferences in therapy. That way, BetterHelp can match you with the right therapist from their network. Then you can talk to your therapist however you feel comfortable, whenever it's convenient for you. If your therapist isn't the right fit for any reason, you can switch to a new therapist with no additional cost. With BetterHelp, you, got, you get the same professionalism and quality you expect from in office therapy, but with a therapist who is custom-picked for you, more scheduling flexibility, and at a more affordable price. Get 10% of your first month at betterhelp.com slash how to survive society. That's better com slash how to survive society. Hello, survivors. This is your girl, Abby Ayola Williams, and you're now listening to How to Survive Society. How to Survive Society is a weekly podcast that features survivors. These are people that have been through the ringers in life. They've been through hell and back, but they choose to stay positive. They choose to win. They choose to thrive and they choose to survive. So let's get right into it. Hello, survivors. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of How to Survive Society. Today, I have a very special guest. He's a mindset coach, and his name is John Katz. John, please introduce yourself, and then we can go from there. I have a lot of questions, and I'm really excited about this session. Absolutely. Let's jump right into it. Uh, Abby, as you mentioned, my name is John Katz. I'm an online coach. I specialize in mindset training. Uh, The three fundamental tenets of mindset training are mind, body, spirit. So my coaching program strengthens the body by creating positive habits around the mind, which then overall allows wellness to flow through our spirit. I'm a New York City native. I spent many years away from New York running for myself, which is something I know now. Uh, I lived in New Orleans for a lot of my young adulthood and then moved back to New York City a few years ago. Shortly thereafter, I reached what a lot of people would consider to be their rock bottom. I had a lot of bad habits. And when you talk about surviving society, that's what jumped out at me. I believe, and I know, it's not even a belief at this point, I know that our society is structured to not allow us to survive. And I speak about this all the time. The society essentially wants us around in as much as we can produce for it, but be crushed by it. You know, society doesn't want us to be powerful. And I definitely played by a lot of those rules. I was eating society's food, which made me massively overweight. I was using society's alcohol, which gave me a horrible depressive disorder. I was using society's drugs, both legal and illegal, which gave me awful anxiety. And I was doing like the dating app, live your best life hookup culture for young people, which gave me a sense of nihilism. So how to survive society is essentially not do what everybody else is doing. And I was doing what everybody else is doing. And it left me broken. I mean, I was I was in an awful way. And in late 2020, my relationship ended, which was not, we were not in it for the right reasons. And it ended pretty roughly. And from there, I just went full on society. I mean, I was hitting all the vices, everything I just mentioned and more 
to the nth degree. And what do you know? After some months of that, I was ready to kill myself straight up. I was thinking about killing myself every day for weeks on end. And it got to the point where I was so close to making it happen that I began to having, having visualizations about, you know, how my family would react. And it was at that point that I decided that my life was worth living. I realized then in that moment that there are so many other suicides in society because of what they did to themselves that I was not going to join that group. I was not. So I decided to survive in my own life and in society's life. And I did, and I did so by finding a coach uh, who taught me the program that I currently live and teach. And it's the daily program. It's quite simple. It involves replacing our negative habits with positive ones. And that's what I've been doing. I have not taken a day off since I turned my life around in January of 2021. And I'm so happy to be here today to chat with you about it. Thank you so much, John, for all that. So you say you grew up in the west upper side of Manhattan? Yes, upper west side of Manhattan, yes. So that's like where the rich people live, pretty much. Hey, stop it, stop it. (laughs) (laughs) To be be frank, my my upbringing was not economically disadvantaged. But if you want to know the truth about New York City, the upper west west side of 1982, which is when my folks bought into the cooperatively owned building, was a completely different place than it is today. There's not a chance, there's not a single neighborhood in New York City, excuse me, on Manhattan Island that my parents could afford to purchase today. So mm-hmm. that's how, how much things have changed. They could have chosen many places in New York. The, the, the place you might be thinking of is up your east side. That's like Gossip Girl, a okay. lot of that. Yeah, that's, yes. Gossip Girl was, was filmed over there. The Upper West Side traditionally was a more bohemian, more artistic, more hippie neighborhood. And that's the neighborhood that my folks bought into in the early 80s. It also, so I grew up on a, a street called 94th Street. The avenues that are on either side are Broadway, which is a famous one, and West End Avenue. And when the FBI sent a task force in the 80s to the Upper West Side to battle the crack epidemic, which is where one of the main focal points of the crack epidemic was the Upper West Side. They had a command center of sorts, a focal point at 94th and Amsterdam. So this is a block and a half from where where my parents bought in, where I grew up. So the city I was raised in is very, very different than the city as it is today. That said, I did not want for much. I had a pretty chill, comfortable upbringing externally. However, it was the internal challenges that I, I really faced. Um, Household was a bit chaotic, maybe more than a bit. There was a lot of chaotic energy. Um, trauma essentially lived outward from folks that never really had the tools to come to terms with their own pain. And this is just very standard. Most parents, most people never have the tools or develop the tools to come to terms with their own pain. So when they have children, children are raised in a bit of a traumatic or chaotic environment, and that creates trauma and pain inside. And I definitely had that. I definitely had uh, my share of chaos, uh, internal chaos. And as I aged, I turned to the time-tested, society-honored ways of dealing with it, which are all the vices. You know, I was running for myself in these weird, chaotic feelings and turned to drugs and alcohol and, and the path was set and I walked it until January 2021. Wow. So after you moved from New York, you went to New Orleans to go work there as a service person. So in what, like, what service were you doing there? 
And why did you choose New Orleans at that time? Right. So I ended up going to college in New Orleans. And after graduating, I felt kind of aimless as a lot of young people do. So I joined the service industry. I was working in restaurants. It's just a way of describing uh, not like the armed service at all. This is a service industry. It's just, you know, bars, restaurants. I did catering. I did waiting tables. I was not fulfilling my potential. And this is not to knock anyone that works in the service industry. I think it's a beautiful field, but it's not what I wanted to do. I always wanted to create. I always wanted to write. I always wanted to make art. And I always wanted to help people. But I didn't have a belief in self. I wasn't intentional about anything I was doing. I had a horrible self-talk. So I lived in this service industry for, for many years on end. My last job in New Orleans was uh, managing a restaurant in the French Quarter. That was kind of the peak of my service industry career. Wow. I I went to New Orleans in 2018 for Essence Festival. And because I don't drink or I don't eat meat, I found that I was like a dinosaur <laughs> in New Orleans. Everywhere I went, it was like alcohol everywhere. Meat, chicken, beef, shrimp, chicken. You know, like I'm like wow. Like I went, um, I went to a bar uh, in French quarters because you know I thought they would have mocktails at least. Before I even said none, the guy's like, nope, we don't have that. I was like, oh, <laughs> it's the city of pain. SSS is beautiful and the music is is wonderful, but the New Orleans is the city of pain. It's yeah, a, it's the city of vices. It is wholly predicated in 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 demonic behavior, in drinking, sleeping around, drugs. I mean, two of the servers that, so I managed a restaurant. I oversaw operations at a restaurant. And within, so two servers that had, one had been fired and one quit, actually both were fired. Within months of their dismissal from the restaurant, both were dead. So these are people oh that I, goodness. yeah, it's wow. no joke. New Orleans is no joke. One OD'd on heroin and one was beaten to death. So people think that their little Coke habit or their little whatever habit is not going to catch up with them. People have that little habit. They go to New Orleans, they get fully immersed in the service industry, which is a den of demonic behavior of this destructive, self-destructive behavior. And then they lose control. New Orleans is a very, very dark place. There's a lot of beauty there. There's a lot of good culture. But it needs to be known. It needs to be acknowledged that people, a lot of people, myself included, end up in New Orleans, specifically the New Orleans service industry, specifically the French quarter service industry, which is a world unto itself, running from something and running to something. And it's not running to something positive. It's running to easily accessible drugs and alcohol. It's totally part and parcel of working in the New Orleans service industry to have various habits, various vices. I knew people that were doing coke every night of the week. And there are a lot of people that they just treat the alcohol is you can drink in the street. New Orleans and Las Vegas are the only two places I know in the U.S. where it is legal to drink in the street. And this is a culture of degeneracy. And I didn't have eyes to see because I was living a degenerate life. I was living a self-destructive life. I was living a selfish life. And thus, I was in it. You know, I was totally in it. Now, I wasn't out shooting heroin. I wasn't out messing my life up to the point where I was getting beaten. But another one of my servers, the servers that I worked with, the servers that I managed, he got stabbed. He got his, his side of his body split open after a shift one night. Like this is not a joke. And New Orleans taught me a lot of lessons and showed me a lot of really dark truths about what people do to run from themselves, myself included. Wow. That is deep. Like um, that is deep and scary at the same time. Cause it's like, you don't know when you're going to die pretty much. You can die from alcohol poisoning, from too much drugs or violence. That's really, really messed up. 
So you, you said here that back in 20, like late 2020s, right? You found out that your fiance came out as a lesbian. And this is probably around the time when COVID hit also, right? So how did you even deal with that? I know you said you almost commi- committed suicide because of that. But like, what after hearing that, like what went through your mind? Well, there was a lot going on at the time. I mean, there were there were signs and there were symbols and I should have known what was coming. But the, the main issue is that I was running for myself. I was being in denial. And the suicidal ideation came from the decisions I made after the breakup. It wasn't the breakup itself. It wasn't the revelation. It wasn't that. It was, okay, well, this is happening. Well, I'm just going to go do this. And I jumped off the deep end. I mean, it was the fact that she came out was, you know, people... I I should have saw it coming there. The signs were there, but the issue was that I took this thing that ended my relationship that ended and turned it into, okay, well, fuck it. Uh, I'm going to go do whatever I want. You know, my ex is able to do whatever she wants to do. So now I'm going to do whatever I want to do. And that took the form of drugs, alcohol, tons of food and sleeping around. And it was just awful. That's what drove me to the brink of suicide. The, the, the issue in my relationship was just the, it was kind of the catalyst, you know, the last, the straw that broke the camel's back and it just opened the floodgates of all this repressed, repressed behavior. Wow. Hmm. Well, that's, it's good that you're telling your story and I'm really happy for you and that you've actually survived all these things, including an house fire last year, like, August. That, that's like so recent. Like what even happened with that, with the house fire? Like how did it start? Did Absolutely. you lose all your stuff? Like wh- what happened there? Well, a normal person would say that I lost everything, but an aligned individual, an enlightened individual, someone that has mindset training, understand that the only thing that matters is what's inside. And all of these tests, everything you brought up from my upbringing to my time in New Orleans, to my uh, the issue in my relationship, my breakup in 2020, to the suicidal ideation, to the house fire, every single one of these things are tests. They're also blessings. I view that my decision to get healthy is probably the best decision I've ever made. The best thing that ever happened was me being at the brink of not existing anymore. And the second best thing was the house fire. And the third best thing was probably my breakup. The house fire was a massive blessing in quote unquote, losing everything, which I didn't lose a single thing of value because it's all in my heart. I gained appreciation for life. People have too much. Normal people, regular people, people that are not intentional about their life, they have too much. And in having so much, they actually have very little. It takes honesty following something like a house fire. It takes honesty following something like a breakup to actually create internal assets. And because I've been programming so well, Instead of my normal 4 a.m. wake up after the fire, I got up at 2.45. I did extra workouts that day and I kept it moving and it didn't slow me down at all. I'm actually in a better place. We're speaking now. You and I are speaking now. I'm in a physically, spiritually, emotionally, economically, psychically better place than I was before the fire. The fire was a blessing. Every fire, whoever is listening, whatever fire is in your life, if you have mindset training, if you live intentionally, you will recontextualize that fire as a blessing. Shortly after the fire, moved in with my folks on the Upper West Side. And what do you know? They both caught COVID. Had I not been there, it would have been much tougher for them to get through it. Fortunately, 
their son was living at home. So I got to make it happen and I was able to prepare their meals and run all the errands and handle business for them. So that, that's just one of many blessings. It's all a blessing. Abby, I'm sure you know it. You've been through fires, a, a million fires. I'm sure of it. All of those properly recontextualized serve as blessings. Every dark period, if we choose to not side with the dark and instead walk in the path of alignment with light can be a positive. All this stuff was massively beneficial. I'm in the same neighborhood I was in before the fire in a place twice as big that I own. I own my home now because the fire lit a fire under my rear end to push super hard in my career, push super hard in coaching and push super hard on the house hunt to be able to own a piece of property. Without that fire, I would not be in a much larger place in the same neighborhood that I own, period. Wow, that's I'm so happy to hear that you saw the the positive in the house fire because most times when people go through stuff like that, they will only they'll only be like, Oh, I lost all my stuff, you know. I how can I regain or restart my life from this point, you know? So I'm glad that you had you had that mindset to say, you know what? I'm not gonna let this fire stop me from living my best life. So that's kudos to you. So you're Thanks. involved in a citywide food rescue. Like, what what is that about? Absolutely. So food rescue and being in touch with the earth is something I've always been interested in. But when I was sick and overweight and depressed and anxious, I could only do the work, that type of work that I loved as much as I loved myself, which was pretty limited. Now, since getting healthy, I set up a citywide food rescue program. It was within a company, one of my, you know, projects, one of my jobs, let's say, is the best way to describe. I don't even like using the word jobs. I like working with people and, and doing things with people. It's tough for me to, who I am and what I do is essentially the same thing. But I guess for folks to understand, one of my jobs was uh, a food-related company, a tech company. And like most food-related tech companies, there's a fair amount of waste in groceries. So I saw that and I built a citywide food rescue project that feeds about 7,000 families a week from food that would otherwise be wasted. And I was only able to do this for two reasons. The first is that I took the same mentality that I take for my mental and physical well-being, which is a no days off mentality, and applied it to this project. And the second is because I have so much love for this project and myself that I'm able to bring it to light. Before I got healthy, I was feeding a couple dozen people. Maybe I would cook some weeks. Maybe I would do some rescue some weeks. Now that I'm working on myself every day, I'm working on this food rescue project every day. Anyone who's listening that is interested in setting up a similar food rescue project at any scale where you live, get at me. There's food being wasted, unfortunately, in every city and every town in this country. And it breaks my heart and around the world, too. But the U.S. is the, the king of food waste. So anyway, I set up this food rescue project by working every day on it. And now we're rescuing food across the city, Brooklyn, Queens and Manhattan. We're feeding thousands and thousands of families every week with food that would otherwise hit the compost. And this is a main Part of my philosophy is that we waste food because we waste our lives. This society is based on waste. People are getting wasted. They're wasting their spirit. They're wasting their time. And worst of all, they're wasting food, which is life. So in order to survive this, we have to provide for each other, our neighbors, with food that would otherwise be thrown out. Well, that's remarkable for you to do that because you're right. A lot of food does go wasted, you know, in especially in North America. I don't know if it's the way the system is set up or I, I just don't, because I've heard of companies that would rather throw out the food than to give it to customers for free. 
It absolutely, yeah. Yeah, like that's ridiculous. Like you, I used to work at um, McDonald's, right? Sorry, McDonald's, but I have to call you guys out. (laughs) This was like back when I was like in high school. So, you know, whenever there's leftover food, they'll, they'll be like, oh, just throw in the garbage. You can't even take it as an employee. You can't, you know, nobody can take it. It has to be thrown in the garbage because apparently they get insurance money uh, from it or something like that. It's nonsense. And the, the system is set up. It is intentionally. And here's what I've discovered. In the U.S., over a third of all food grown is thrown out. So if we think of that as product without consumption, but it's mm-hmm. still purchased. So it's being produced, purchased, and thrown out. What would happen if that tanked? What if we stopped wasting food? Well, the economy mm-hmm. would collapse. Think about the segment of the economy that food plays a role in and think about how much is being overproduced and not consumed, but purchased. So if we were to eliminate that overconsumption and replace it with distribution, the system mm-hmm. would collapse. It wouldn't be possible. So it absolutely is by design. And it's heartbreaking. And part of my program is we are, we live a zero waste program. We don't waste any of our time. We don't waste our days. So we wake up early. We don't waste our lives. So we don't engage in negative behaviors like drinking and drugging. We don't waste our spirit. We don't waste our bodies. So we work out every day and we definitely don't waste our food. We eat intentionally. You know, we set up a program around proper eating, proper thinking, proper living, alignment. Now, this is what my program teaches, that our life matters. When I was living dark, I didn't think anything mattered. So I was throwing everything away. That's the problem. People don't think anything matters, so they throw their lives away. They don't think food matters, so they throw food away. We don't throw anything away, least of all, the, the spirit that binds us. It's incredibly arrogant to think that what we do doesn't matter. Everything we do matters. And yeah, what you mentioned about people throwing food out, yeah, the, the system is set up. They would rather throw food out than they would let us rescue it. It's sickening. Very, very sickening. I just hope that maybe in the future, the system can change and be more inclusive with, you know, making food accessible to everybody. Like it's our God-given right. (laughs) I mean, God created heaven and earth, right? For us to have everything that we need. So I'm just praying that in the future, this will happen. So um, let's say someone wants to um, contact you to be their mindset coach. So how would they be able to do that? Best way is to check out my page at NYC Foodways on Instagram. That's at NYC F-O-O-D-W-A-Y-S. I also have a YouTube channel with some long form content. Uh, check out my page, hit me up, get your mind and body right. I offer group coaching and one-on-one for clients that are interested in direct coaching access. And it's just about being honest. If you're living honestly, you are not going to want to destroy your life anymore. But too many people are living dishonest. So it takes someone that was living dishonest and now lives honest to pull the veil back from people and allow them to see the light. I had to find a coach that had been in a place of darkness and suicidal ideation and overweight and drinking and drug abuse in order to bring me to a place where I no longer do those things. You have to find people that have conquered your demons in order to conquer them yourself. And it is possible to conquer any demon. I'm living proof. Look at my before photo. Look at my after photo. Look at my client's before photo. Look at my client's after photo. Make the change. Your life is worth so much more 
than we believe it to be. Everyone's life is so valuable and so powerful, but we have been told a million times over that we should be eating their food, we should be drinking their booze, we should be doing their drugs, and we should be sleeping around, and it is awful. We don't do any of that over here. Thank you for that. Like you said, from your own words, society is set up to destroy us. It's more than a death cult with an happy face on it, <laughs> which is true in a sense because you're given all these tools to destroy yourself. So it's up to you to use those tools or say no and work on yourself. So I totally get that. So any last thing you would like to tell people before we go? Change is up to us. Change starts with us. Do not play by their rules. Do not, do not live your life in any manner that runs counter to your moral code. That's, that's what I can say. And your moral, moral code is not pulling you to be disgusting. Your moral code is not pulling you to hate yourself. It's not pulling you to harm yourself. It's not pulling you to harm others. That's the pull of negative forces in society. Stand with the light, even if it means standing in opposition to society at large. Thank you so much for having me on, Abby. Everyone listening, it starts with us. Reach out if you need help. I'm here for you. Thank you so much, John, for coming on. And I really appreciate your story and what you've accomplished over the years. And I'm really, really happy that you're able to find a way to survive society and helping other people to do that. So kudos to you and best of luck. Thank you. Big, big thank you to our guest for, um, for today. And if you would like to learn more about today's topic, please go on howtosurvivesociety.com. There you can get um, some life skills courses and some merchandise and um, contact me if you would like to be a guest on the show. So thank you so much for tuning in and have yourself a lovely day. Today is a great day to start your own podcast. Whether you're looking for a new marketing channel, have a message you want to share with the world, or just think it would be fun to have your own talk show, podcasting is an easy, inexpensive, and fun way to expand your reach online. Buzzsprout is hands down the easiest and best way to launch, promote, and track your podcast. Your show can be online and listed in all the major podcast directories like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, and more within minutes of finishing your recording. Podcasting isn't hard when you have the right partners, and the team at Buzzsprout is passionate about helping you succeed. Join over 100,000 podcasters already using Buzzsprout to get their message out to the world. Let's create something great together. So if you ever need help to start your own podcast, reach out to me. And then you know what you can do also? You know, you can follow the link in the show notes, in the show notes that lets Buzzsprout know that Hi sent you so you can get a $20 Amazon gift card when you sign up for a paid plan. And you can also support the show that way. So yeah, so if you're looking to start your own podcast, reach out to me, follow the link under the notes show and you'll be able to sign up and get a $20 Amazon card. Yeah.